The opinions, views, and beliefs of the Unknown Packers podcast do not reflect or represent those of the Green Bay Packers organization, nor are we affiliated with the Green Bay Packers. We're just a couple of fans talking football. Go Pack Go! Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Pack Go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. Welcome to the Unknown Packers Podcast for this week's episode one and one on tap, which Ken Ingles correctly predicted during our last week's episode, a little premonition last week of being one and one on tap. And the band is back again this week with myself, Bryce Christensen, Ken Ingles, and Nebels. But before we begin, we are unaffiliated with the Green Bay Packers. Our views and opinions are our own. We are not affiliated with the Green Bay Packers in any shape or form whatsoever. We are strictly Green Bay Packers fans, providing our vibes and overall thoughts about the game. This is also not a stat dump episode or a play-by-play breakdown of the game. We're going to give us our overall impressions and just have three dudes just talking Green Bay Packers. And with that, the Packers got back to 500 in Week 2, beating the Detroit Lions 35-17 during Monday night football and what are your all thoughts of uh, the week two win by the Green Bay Packers? You know, for me, it's always great uh, beating a division opponent. Feels like it's like a win and a half almost. So I'll definitely take these. I, I think they definitely needed it. They needed to exercise some demons after that week one egg that they laid down in uh, what I was going to say New Orleans, but out in Jacksonville. This is exactly the type of game that we've come to expect under Matt LaFleur. After a loss, typically the Packers come back and bounce back in in a big way, and it was it was a good it was good to see it. Things were a little shaky maybe in that first half, but then you know got got everything rolling in that second half to uh, cruise to an easy victory. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that completely. Um, like you said, it's always good to to go into a division game and come out with a victory. And I felt the same way the first half. I'm like, oh shit, are we really going to do this again? Is this how it's going to go? Um, it just didn't seem like typical Packer football, and then they made their their halftime adjustments, and things kind of started clicking. And I'm like, all right, this looks more like a Lafleur led offense to me. You know, it, it felt comfortable, it felt normal. You know, they like said the defense made some adjustments, started making some plays, and I said it was pretty much the the most complete half of football that they've had yet mm-hmm. in this young season. So it was great to see. Hopefully, it's uh, it's good, or it's definitely a good building block. Hopefully, they will will continue it going forward. Uh, a lot of goods, you know, a lot of positives, a lot of kind of things to look back and reflect on and improve upon. But overall, I'm I'm thrilled with the win. Yeah, I was actually at Lambeau. I talked about that uh, in last week's episode, zero and one on tap. Being at Lambeau for the home opener, it had been a while that I've been at a home opener. I think the last time was like. 2014 or 2015 and last year obviously we didn't have fans um for the regular season and so you you have that hanging over i it was great to be back at lambeau it was a mess to be completely honest to get into the stadium it was like an hour and 15 hour and 20 minutes so i missed kickoff but as i got situated yeah that first half i mean you're 
you go into halftime down 17-14, but when we were down 14-7, I was telling a buddy of mine, I was like, ah, if we can double dip, get a touchdown to end the second quarter and then get a touchdown in the third quarter, we're going to be in business. And I thought that was a little bit of wishful thinking. My Pollyanna type of tendencies were clouding that. But sure enough, the Packers did double dip. And that's always, I think, a recipe for success. And the Packers were able to prevail. I mean, they win 35-17. I think overall, get the ball into your playmakers. The Packers ran 58 Mm -hmm. plays before the three kneel downs. And between the touches and targets, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams accounted for 32 of those 58 plays. You had Aaron Jones with four touchdowns, Devontae Adams with a huge... uh, stat line and then Aaron Rodgers as well um with four touchdowns so i it, when that happens uh, the packers are hard to beat um i think overall it and maybe i missed this but was i think there was a little bit more pre-snap um motion in, in this game but overall did you really see a, a lot of that compared to like in years past in the last year or two from Lafleur. I nothing really sticks out to me. What about you, Ken? Same, same. You know, not a lot. Nothing that was like too creative in terms of like uh, jet sweep, like during the snap. Um, except for I know, you know, obviously there was that first touchdown, technically pass where it was that little like shovel, mm-hmm. um, quick quick release on um, Aaron Jones coming around, you know, on that motion at the snap. And that counts as a touchdown pass somehow uh, yeah. for that first <laughs> score. But yeah, you know, th- there was some motion, but it, n- nothing too exotic, nothing that really kind of caught my eye, but it also didn't feel, you know, quote unquote McCarthy esque. I don't know. It, it, mm, it right. felt like kind of a happy, felt like a happy medium. You can just kind of tell that it seemed like they were coming out with more of like of a plan on each drive. Definitely getting Aaron Jones involved. I think that was definitely very apparent from the opening drive where I believe he had uh, Aaron Jones had his hand on the ball, I think all but like uh, two or three touches in that opening drive. And then later in the second half, you can tell that that, that was the Randall Cobb drive, right, mm-hmm. where they wanted yeah. to get him involved. He, he had been without a target really for six full quarters um, from Aaron Rodgers, at least. I know Jordan Love got got some time with him in the, against the Saints, but... There was a drive where he had three um, receptions, I believe, on like in a four or five play span. So I I don't know. Things just felt a little bit more cohesive, a little bit more balanced overall. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I just, it it seems, and maybe they're just sort of still getting into that humming stage and, and maybe it'll take a little bit, especially with like a lot of the starters not playing in the preseason. So maybe, and maybe Lafleur's holding back some. I just, correct me if I'm wrong, I just felt like they did a lot more of that misdirection, delayed handoff, uh, pre-snap eye candy, a lot more uh, last year, and then also in 2019 when Rodgers was getting acquainted with a Lafleur offense. So that's still something that is gnawing at me, and I don't know if it's the Josiah DeGuara effect, but it Mm -hmm. is concerning if it is the Josiah DeGuara effect. So you remove one player that really hasn't influence much of the Packers offense because he's had just some untimely injuries. Um, right. yeah, but I do back, wonder about if that. If you think back, you know what? We had Swerve. He was that guy for us. Mm-hmm. And then when he went down, what Tavon Austin came in and that really didn't quite fit the exact same way, but we kind of were f- kind of shoehorning that into the offense. And DeGuar is supposed to kind of be more of that type of role. Maybe not 
as much like on the jet motion, but he's unfortunately, you know, not available again. And I mentioned it before, we haven't seen too much Cobb. We haven't seen too much Amari Rogers, mm-hmm. who was, you know, maybe penciled in to kind of be that guy this year. And maybe he's still getting up to speed. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, 35-17 wasn't quite needed in the, you know, the arsenal this week, but something that they got in their back pocket that, you know, maybe they're working on. Yeah, it's just something that's on the tip of my tongue is what I wanted to say, but just in the back of my mind, something that I'm probably going to keep an eye on throughout the season. And I think Nebels wanted to say something, then I cut him off. Yeah, I, I lost my train of thought. No, I was just saying, you know, once this, you can tell last night, I mean, they're still not spreading the ball out to everybody as much mm-hmm. as they as they typically do. I know we took a couple of shots to uh, to MVS, didn't complete any, so that's kind of a work in progress. Cobb had what the two receptions, Adams had a couple, um, but they just typically they just didn't really spread it out as, as much as I'd like to see. I think you know, again, that's a work on work in progress. Once they get that rolling. I mean, I don't see why this this offense won't be firing in all cylinders. The one thing I did notice is I, I do feel like the offensive line play last night was yep. was a lot more solid than it was mm-hmm. in, in week one. Still a couple of sacks, you know, a couple of, of whoopsies in there, but you know, I didn't really hear Runyon's name called at all. So that's always that's always a good thing when you're you know when you're playing. When you're not hearing your your offensive linemen being being picked out or called out for anything. So I think Runyon definitely had a had a great game and. I don't know. I don't think they look back to, to Patrick anytime soon. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll pat myself on the back for that one. I know last yep. week, uh, Neville's you asked kind of in the fill in the blank section, you know, what would you change outside of Kevin King uh, to Stokes? Because that kind of seemed like the obvious choice. And you guys went to D line. I chose to switch it up went on the O line. I said, well, maybe Runyon mm-hmm. gets his opportunity. And then we later found out that Patrick was dealing with what a concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had been cleared for the game, but they, they went with Runyon partly because he had been practicing all week, partly because it sounds like, you know, LaFleur had some comments that they're, they're, that, that competition may, might not yet be over. I'm curious if, yeah, to your point, if Patrick even gets that job back, you know, that we've seen this play out many times in the NFL where give a young, young up and comer an opportunity and they'll run with it. Obviously, I mentioned uh, Stokes on the back end. You know, it was kind of a tale of two halves. You saw Kevin King with a little bit of struggles. You know, those are, you know, everyone's going <laughs> to notice those. And then Stokes coming in and getting more and more opportunities. And he came up, he came away this game with what, three like really key clutch passes mm-hmm. defended? Mm-hmm. Not like we're actually breaking them up. Like, yeah, you one of watch the end them zone. on re- Yeah, yeah. You watch them on replay and you just like, you watch them live and you're like, oh, wow, that, you know, great play. Then you watch the replay. It, Mm-hmm. And just the ball skills that he has, the awareness, um, it's looking more and more like he's going to be earning more and more snaps than what they were doing Kevin King in the slot just to try right. and keep those three guys going all at once. It'll be interesting going forward. I actually thought that that pass um, that, that Stokes st- deflected in the end zone, I thought that was a touchdown. I kind of mm-hmm. caught it. I was doing something in the kitchen, kind of caught it out of the corner of my eyes. I'm like, are you kidding me? And then to see that it was broken up, it was just a phenomenal play on the ball. It was awesome. Yeah, you saw not, you saw his catch-up speed. Because mm-hmm. um, he was beat initially, you know, he had his back to the ball or to the QB, really caught up, and then just in the end zone, you know, being able to swing his head around, get his hand on the play or on the ball, and not interfere with that pass. It just, it was beautiful. That that one really got me going. That's the one that you know, really started thinking, okay, this kid can really, uh, he's really flashing now. Oh yeah, and I don't even think he used all of his speed. I think that's the scary thing too. If you look at the replay, 
it wasn't like he just put on the burners. He was initially beat and he caught up to it, but Mm -hmm. I don't even think he's tapped into his full game speed. So once you start seeing that, that's something that I think is just going to be even more exciting. That was an adjustment that needed to happen at halftime, and I'm glad that Coach LaFleur addressed uh, Joe Barry Mm-hmm. At halftime, I'm glad, but also that's a concern too when you're going yeah. up. And maybe it's just more of a transparency thing and getting on the same page and having Lafleur and Barry communicate. But the way I read it was Lafleur talks to Barry about the defense at halftime, and then Barry made adjustments. So hopefully Barry was already going to do that, and Lafleur sort of nudged him or wanted to have a conversation, make sure that they were on the same page give Barry some credit. The adjustments were were made and the defense definitely picked it up. You could argue that maybe the Lions gifted um, some of those opportunities to the Green Bay Packers, some of those turnovers. But at the end of the day, seeing the defense step up and not allowing a point in the second half when Jared Goff had carved up the Green Bay Packers in the first half, having that lead at 17-14. So Stokes, I definitely think, was a surprise, and that was someone that we wanted to see more of. And another big surprise was Devondre Campbell. He was oh, all yeah. over oh, yeah. the field, mm-hmm. had the pick, also like had great coverage on that TJ Hawkinson touchdown. It's just that TJ Hawkinson is a is a budding superstar. But I I came away impressed with what Devondre Campbell uh, was able to provide. So if he's trending in in an upward trajectory. It's exciting stuff for the defense. I wanted to mention that. Yeah, Campbell definitely looks like a guy who is going to be that, like a linebacker we haven't really seen in Green Bay in a while, who's the true kind of three down back, uh, can play the run, can play the pass, is not going to come off the field ever. Chris Barnes is seeing his snap count go way down right now. And the, the backup linebackers as well, because Campbell's just, he's proving down in and down out that, you know, he can take care of business on the field. So that, that is exciting to see. You know, hopefully things continue to go in that direction. I, I'm surprised we haven't uh, mentioned uh, the QB Aaron Rodgers yet, and oh. his his comeback kind of the game and four touchdowns and just ripping it, man. That one to Tunyon, mm-hmm. he had I, MBS open too. Like he oh, had, yeah. or he had Alan Lazard he, open. He had Lazard, yeah, Lazard was open. Yeah. But yeah, that. When I first saw that, the, the camera angle was weird. I thought it was a pick at first. Mm. I was like, oh, I'm like, damn it. You know, we're so close. We can't have this. And I'm like, holy shit, that's an actual touchdown. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and you watch the replay and it's just, you know, it's that old saying, like, if Rodgers can see the back of a defender's mm-hmm. helmet, he considers <laughs> he considers his receiver open and he's going to rip that ball. And that thing was a laser beam. And credit to Tunyon, too, for snagging that. I mean, that's not an easy catch for Tunyon as well when he's draped over in coverage and... I truly, if you feed Aaron Jones the ball, make him the focal point, it opens up so much more for Rodgers. I also, yes, Rodgers was slinging it, but in that third quarter, you know, you're down 17-14 and he had that 50-plus yard completion to Devontae Adams. That was really the spark. That's where they started Mm -hmm. opening things up, but... That was on a third down play too. So if that mm-hmm. goes the other way, what what happens? There were there were a lot of things that went the Packers' way that allowed them to come away with the victory. This game was a lot closer for. I mean, in the fourth quarter, you could see that the lines were depleted and the Packers were just running on pure mo- momentum. But a couple plays here and there, and it's a lot closer. I'm glad it it, it went the Packers' way. 
I'm happy Rodgers had a bounce back. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers again in the second half. Overall, like I thought, you know, you talk about Aaron Jones, you talk about Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Stokes, Campbell, but also the special teams too. The special teams is looking like they're about to be an asset rather than a liability. You have Mr. Bo Jangles. He played his part in <laughs> uh, winning the field uh, position battle. He had a 46-yarder out of bounds, boomed a 56-yarder that pinned the Lions right on that 10-yard and also forced a fair catch at the Detroit 9-yard line as well. So you're getting a guy that you're flipping the the page a little bit or you're flipping the field with uh, this the, the field position battle. That's something that we haven't had from a punter in a while. Also, your prediction, Nebels, with uh, Kylan Hill as well, returning a kickoff for 41 yards. That was the longest kickoff return since late in the 2019 season. And so the Packers were trailing 14-7 in the second quarter. Hill rips off that kickoff return, 41 yards, and then they end up tying a touchdown, going 14-14. So special teams influencing uh, the Green Bay Packers is not something that you've seen very often. And I think that's a perfect segue into our commercial break. We're going to take a quick one. We'll be right back talking about the fill in the blank and the San Francisco 49ers, our week three opponent. Be right back. Go Pack Go. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. And we are back with the second half of one and one on tap. We're going to still just talk uh, something real quick about the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. I did want to mention uh, Aaron Jones had four touchdowns a year to the date almost. September 20th of 2020 versus the Lions, he scored three touchdowns. A year later, he scores four touchdowns, a touching tribute to his father who had passed away. Uh, earlier this year. So um, Aaron Jones definitely likes to just eat when it comes to the Detroit Lions. I thought it was pretty cool that a year to the date, I saw that when he had three touchdowns and then he got his fourth. And then what did you say, Nebels, about uh, Aaron Jones and whenever whenever he touches the ball, the Packers win, essentially? Yeah, yeah I thought I heard, uh, la- it was either last night or read it today, that uh, when Jones has 20 or more touches a game, the Packers are now 6-0. and so you got to keep feeding that man. No reason not to. Keep feeding him and keep seeing what this defense can uh, can conjure up. Uh, they definitely were missing Zadarius Smith. Rashawn Gary had had that sack. And maybe I'm being a little bit uh, nitpicky when it comes to Gary, but I, I, I want to see him explode being that 12th overall pick, 2019 draft. This is his third year. I really want to see him take that next step. Um, I like to see that sack, but... There were a lot of times where I was watching him that the minute an alignment gets his hands on him, he has a hard time um, shedding those blocks. So that's something that figuring out in more of a technical way of getting to that quarterback without getting wrapped up. Um, but he's someone that it was great to see him get that sack. Hopefully he can continue that momentum because we need him. Uh, the Packers are definitely missing Zadarius Smith. Anything else from Packers-Lions that you guys want to talk about before we go into our Exciting fill in the blank. Um, checking my note. Oh, Lazard. Actually, um, he didn't have any. I don't think he had any catches. But Lazard, uh, he continues to be worth his weight in gold as a as a blocking receiver. I think on oh one of the God. nice uh, yeah. Jones runs, I think he he took out not one but two guys uh, along the way, which is which is freaking awesome. 
but yeah, other than that, uh, I don't really have anything have anything to go. Runyon, fourth grade, highest graded offensive player and the highest graded lineman last night. Kudos to him again. Yeah, I think Josh Myers is the uh, second best uh, rated uh, center, I think, right now in the league as well, which is crazy. That's insane. I'll take that. Going back to the receivers, yeah, it was a it was an odd day for the receivers. Lazard didn't have a target. Uh, MVS had four deep shots and uh, didn't come down with any of them. I think three, two or three of those could have been easy touchdowns. Um, he was open. Yeah, yeah, not his two. fault. Oh, yeah, one. not his fault either. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Saint Brown. Saint Brown was elevated for the game. I think just because his brother was on the opposite side. I, I can't think of a reason why he was elevated for this game. But he had he one play, reception. Though. He had one reception for uh, zero yards. Yep. In fact, That's if I play. look. Looking at the box score right now, the uh, only receivers who actually had yardage were Devontae and Randall Cobb. So what mm. year is it? That's crazy. Yeah, I, Something, I mean, take care of the Lions at home. Uh, I've definitely got um, some concerns and maybe they're just getting warmed up. But this ties into the fill in the blank that I wanted to uh, talk to you guys. And every week, oh, if uh, any new listeners that are tuning in, we do a fill in the blank um, and we're gonna. It's a carousel. We rotate uh, every week, and we pick one. And uh, this one is pertaining to Aaron Rodgers and his post game press conference. And I know that for those that have been our habitual listeners, that uh, back in the summer during the whole off season saga with Aaron Rodgers, I refrained from wanting to talk about it because I saw speculation. I didn't know if it was true. I didn't want to speculate on Aaron Rodgers' future. I didn't think it was appropriate. But now him talking at post-game press conference and he was saying that hopefully this win paraphrasing hopefully this win quiets the trolls so hearing those comments your reaction to aaron Rodgers comments is blank i guess i'll go first um i think it i think it proves that while Rodgers might say that he doesn't listen to opinions and voices outside the building, I think he's clearly listening to the opinions and voices outside the building. Because um, not only did he talk about that, he threw some expletives down as well during his press conference. You know, the more and more um, they talked about it. He spent a good chunk of time on the Pat McAfee show, on uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays, mm-hmm. elaborating even further and calling out not by name, but if you can read between the lines, you know who he was uh, specifically talking about. And he spent, you know, five plus minutes talking about voices from outside the building and how they were putting words in his mouth and, you know, how he approaches the game. So, you know, I, I think it 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 clearly he's he can hear what's happening, you know, the voices outside, you know, about his approach, you know, frankly, the way that things kind of played this offseason, right? Not showing up until the last minute and the kind of the roller coaster, and then having that kind of duck of a game in the first week, it opened up a lot of criticism. You can't have the I'm the MVP type of, and, and you know, the, the type of offseason where he had, and then come out and, and kind of lay that egg and not expect to have criticism coming. So I think he's obviously hearing it. And now it's just a question of, you know, how he responds. Um, obviously, week two, he responded pretty damn well, um, as you can see by the box score. And like he does after every tough loss um, under the floor where he comes back and responds. So I was never one who was personally criticizing, you know, his 
drive or motivation or his willingness to be all in. I think Rodgers is too big of a competitor. And I think he's his play. Shut a lot of those people up. Definitely agree. Um, and like you said, I, I think that comment was kind of aimed at at one person because you know after the offseason he had and you know all everything that went on, the dude's going to be under the microscope for the for the rest of the season. So mm-hmm. to say you know he quieted the trolls for this week, yeah, uh, he quieted a troll for this week. You know the same guy saying that you know get re- get love ready to start by week four. Well, obviously on, on that kind of level, you know Rogers shut him up because he had a had a hell of a game last night. But at the same time, I mean, I don't think he'd be talking to the national media folks or the local media folks because right after the game last night, all day today, I've been saying, well, it's just Detroit. You went out and beat a team that you're supposed to beat. No big deal. Let's see how you do next week. So there's going to be trolls constantly all season, regardless as to what he does. He can go out and have a, you know, have a perfect game next week, keep going. And there's always going to be some some troll chirping off, you know, trying to find something, dig in there to to be to be critical about so i mean i think he it's kind of naive for him to think that he's going to be able to silence the trolls you know especially when it comes to again national media so my honest opinion like you said ken is i I think that that particular comment was directed at at one person and one person only well last week i talked about how comparing the off seasons of 2020 and 2021, uh, the year before the Packers had just drafted Love and he went on a mission and had the offseason of just focus and uh, re-strengthening his legs comparable to his 2010-2011 run and won an MVP. And then you fast forward to this year and this offseason and he was in Hawaii. And I'm not trying to be a broken record. I'm just trying to give a little bit more of context of that is where my criticism was. And I don't even was more criticism. It was more just pointing out like, huh, I wonder if his approach has just been different. And granted, they got blown out 38 to three in week one when they are considered to be Super Bowl favorites outside of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Kansas City Chiefs and maybe the Rams and the Ravens, what have you. So it's not really trolling and I just think it was it was valid to be like, what's going on week one? The Packers got blown out. It wasn't like they lost 24-21. And it was, they got blown out. They got embarrassed on a neutral site. And they just looked nothing like a Super Bowl caliber team. And then to have the Saints go out and lose to the Carolina Panthers mm-hmm. in an embarrassing fashion. And granted, the Carolina Panthers are a surprise team. I love what Matt Rule is doing mm-hmm. in, in Carolina. They're exciting. They've got some playmakers on defense and on offense. So they're no slouch, and I think they're going to make some noise, but they embarrassed the Saints. And after the week one uh, win from the Saints, everyone's thinking, oh, maybe the Saints are contenders and Winston's back, and maybe we have to look out for the Saints. And So that's where... I, it's not trolling, and I know that it wasn't directed towards what we were saying on the podcast by any means, but like, it, I, it was valid to be concerned and to mm-hmm. criticize. And so f- for me, also, I am not really in the camp of the, this win was a statement win. They were right. down 17-14 at halftime, and they had a couple of nice turnovers. Aaron Rodgers had a big play in the third quarter, and then they got humming. So yeah, it's it's a win, but it's against a team like the Lions that you're expected to to beat, and at home, a Lambo kickoff home home opener, prime time. I Monday don't understand night. why you're feeding into it. Like, why even bring it up? Right. Like right. for for me, like why even attract? You just win. Why throw that in there? So like for me, it's like 
he doesn't want the trolls. He doesn't want all this stuff, but yet he's feeding into it. And yet he's, he's saying those things. That's the right. stuff that mm-hmm. sort of irks me. Right. That's why I think it's a, you know, it affects him more than he's willing to admit publicly or, you know, maybe even privately. Like he goes out of his way to say, oh, you know, we don't Packers, we don't pay attention to anyone outside the building. And then a significant part of both, you know, all of his media availability since the conclusion of the game has been talking about, I told you guys, <laughs> I told you so, right? Look how well I played. Look how well this team played. So I think it is bothering him a little bit. And he wants he wants to be on the right side of this. But I think if maybe he could go back, maybe he doesn't address it as much or as um, bluntly. Because now I think, to your point, it's going to open it up more. Mm-hmm. Or the critics are going to get louder because they could see that it maybe gets under his skin a little bit. Well, clearly. Like, y- I, that's the thing that, and granted, I'm not in his shoes. I don't know what it's like, but for someone that's always been, uh, I'm going to let my my play do the talking, like every once in a while, you know, the championship belt, those types of things, it, just, it, it seems more now. And maybe it's just because that's what the media is. But when I was watching Around the Horn, um, they had Kalisha and uh, Sarah Spain talking about like, he's like, what media? And so if it's directed at, if it's just directed at this one person who, that's the thing that I just, I, I don't understand. Like why even mention it? You, you beat the Lions, which you were expected to do. Why not just accept the win? So that's the thing that just, you make it more of a storyline because you actually draw attention to it. And it, you make it about that rather than a team win. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that concerns me. Is it Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers or is it the Green Bay Packers? And we talked about this last week. Like those comments, they have to, I don't know if there's any divisiveness, but those comments for me, if I'm Coach LaFleur or anything like that, like why even give it any sort, why feed into it is my my response. And I just wanted to talk to you guys about it just to get some added perspective. No, I think you, I think you hit that right in the head. I mean, he's definitely not doing himself any favors. Yeah, just just zip it, <laughs> zip it, cut it out. Fuel on Rogers. the fire. Fuel I, on the right. fire. I love Aaron Rodgers. I love love probably my favorite player. But at right now, that comment for me was like, all right, you kind of like talking about this mm-hmm. because more people are going to go, oh, okay, now we're giving more attention to this. So I don't know, maybe. That's what we're doing right now. I just wanted to talk to you guys about it, get some added perspective. A win's a win, which I love. I just, that kind of juju, that sort of, the, it, it, <laughs> it, I don't like it when it, it gets around the Green Bay Packers. I just, I'd much rather be an underdog type of team, chip on your shoulder, let our play silence the critics right. and the trolls and what have you. Like, that's what I'd like to get back to that kind of brand of He's football. been surrounded with enough drama. There's no reason to, like you said, no reason to stoke the fire and keep it going. And l- let's pivot into uh, some more positive. Packers are 1-1, one and one, and as we wrap up 1-1 one and one on tap, uh, the Packers head out west, kind of a short week. Packers play Monday night. They head out west Sunday night, so they get a little bit lucky. It's not a noon or 3 o'clock game, but Sunday night football. Packers square off against the 2-0 and San Francisco 49ers. LaFleur, Shanahan hands have some history. Uh, LaFleur's 1-1 one one versus Shanahan in the regular season, lost in the in the postseason. A then-healthy San Francisco squad demolished Rodgers and the Packers both times during the 2019 season, first in their Week 12 regular season matchup, 37-8, and then again in the 2020 NFC Championship game where the 49ers 
essentially ran their way to a one-sided 37-20 victory on their way to the Super Bowl. Last year, however, due to COVID and also injuries, the 49ers fell 34-17 Thursday night football, um, where actually the Niners endured more injuries than any other team in the NFL. Um, they're also dealing with some injuries right now. Raheem Mostert's uh, done for the year, so is Jason Verrett. Um, but they've got Nick Bosa, they got D Ford, they don't make any mistakes. They're also missing their defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, and um, their offensive coordinator, Michael Fleur, Coach Fleur's brother. Um, they are in the uh, New York Jets, so a little bit of a different team, but Niners are 2-0 and right now. Garoppolo doesn't really make a lot of mistakes. Game manager, which mm-hmm. I don't think is a bad thing, um, a great defense, and they can run, so... What are your guys' thoughts as the Packers head out? Um, this is the biggest test so far, I think. I mean, I thought that maybe the Saints were the biggest test, but I think this is a – there's no notable injuries, uh, no COVID sort of influences. Um, this is the matchup that Sh- LaFleur wants because last year I felt like was an asterisk. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think offensively, if they if they continue what they started this past week, they should be okay. What what concerns me is is going to be the the defense. Obviously, I mean, Shanahan has a whole bag of tricks. He knows LaFleur. He knows his. You know, he he knows what we're we're going to do essentially. The blueprint has been kind of laid out, as they've been saying, between the Saints and now the Lions. I mean, that, that touchdown that the Lions scored on us with their, where the tight end was the exact play that was called and uh, that uh, the Saints used to score on us. So he kind of knows knows what to do to, to beat us. Uh, this game does worry me. Um, I'm not going to lie there. Uh, it's, it's definitely our, our toughest test to date. It will be a good indicator of, of where we stand. I mean, if we lose, I don't think it's going to be the, the end-all, you know, be-all, end-all. Um, if we win, that's awesome. We're gonna just keep the keep the truck rolling. Like I said, it's just a completely different matchup than than last time. Throw that last game away, and I said I, I hope that uh, I hope they come in and and just continue what they what they started in the second half of the Detroit game. You know, strong on defense, stop that run, keep Garoppolo in check, and and uh, come out with a, a victory. Yeah, I'm I'm a little worried about this one too. Um, you know, everything you know that you said, I, I'll echo that. The fact that the Packers under LaFleur have not been good, you know, out in California, out in Florida, for whatever reason, I don't know what the travel, what what it is, but it's always kind of been a, a thorn in their side. For the Packers defense, you know, they're facing an offense that is designed to kind of beat the defense. The Packers defense is, they don't let the big, they don't go for the big play death by a thousand cuts well this is the death by a thousand cuts offense led by a quarterback who is very efficient and does not like turning over the ball either um i can see him dinking dunking up and down the field um strong run game really doesn't matter who's in there for the 49ers they always seem to be able to find a way to get productive runners kittle could be a monster and obviously bosa on the other side of the field you know can take over the game all by himself so this will be a true litmus test for the packers Next time we talk, we could easily be talking two and one on tap, or it could be one and two on tap. I'm really not sure, but um, it should be a really good matchup on Sunday night. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, it's one of those things where the cream rises to the top. I think the Packers, this, if the Packers beat the Niners, I think regardless in convincing fashion or if it's just they eke out a win, it boosts their confidence, especially a, a, a far road game. I think it uh, bodes well for their confidence. Uh, week three, 
be two and one. If they get into a shootout, I like the Packers' chances. I don't think Garoppolo goes toe-to-toe with Rodgers. However, if the Packers struggle to put points on the board, I, I definitely could see this going in the Niners' uh, favor. Bosa scares me. Um, the offensive line, like we've mentioned, uh, they fared well uh, week two, but the lines are different than um, the San Francisco 49ers. And you had the Kyle Shanahan effect. And so uh, we know the history with, with Shanahan and Lafleur. Lafleur worked with Shanahan in Atlanta in 2015-2016 and also in Washington from 2010-2013 and also the Houston Texans in uh, 2008 and 2009. Dating back to 1996, though, the Packers have a 12-3 and mark against the Niners in the regular season. I think um, the road game, um, them missing Zadarius Smith, uh, there, there's a little bit of concern. I will say that even though that the Packers clearly struggled in Week 1 and in the first two quarters against the Detroit Lions, I do like that they made adjustments. I think that's a positive thing. They made adjustments at halftime. They came out. They were a different team in that third and fourth quarter against the Detroit Lions. Uh, one thing that's interesting about uh, the, this matchup is uh, we talked about Aaron Jones being that guy uh, this game. Um, also, Devontae Adams having a nice stat sheet for week two. Devontae Adams has been the man against the San Francisco 49ers in the four games that he's played against the 49ers with Lafleur averaging nine receptions, 121 and a half yards, and a touchdown per game. He's also posted seven-plus receptions in each contest, reached 10 receptions twice, while also recording 130-plus receiving yards three times with 173, 138, and 132. Last season, he finished 10 receptions for 173 yards and a touchdown against San Francisco. So this guy can blow up. I think he's the focal point, um, which as he should be. But I think if Devontae has a huge game, I think the Packers are going to be tough to beat. I don't think Garoppolo can go toe-to-toe. But at the same time, I don't think that the Packers' defense is quite there yet. Hopefully they take a step in the right direction with Stokes and maybe uh, King in the slot. That helps out a little bit. But they've got to generate some pass rush. You need to have Kenny Clark have another great game. You need to have Rashawn Gary tee off on the quarterback, strike some fear into that offense, into that opponent. So those are the things that are on my mind when it comes to the Green Bay Packers and Niners in Week 3. Any last thoughts? Niners-Packers Week 3. Season's humming along. At what point are we going to see some Jack Heflin? Come on! (laughs) Come on! Yeah, man. Well, I, I thought there was a chance he'd be active, but you know, two weeks in a row, he's uh, wasn't even up dressed for for the game. You know, maybe week three, maybe that'll do it. So. Speaking of uh, inactive, um, actually, just outright cut. Uh, before oh, yeah. we wrap up, uh, Jay uh-huh. Sternberger being released, former third round draft pick in 2019, just couldn't Gone. really get. The cards to fall into place for him had a concussion in those joint practices his rookie year. He also had that uh, driving under the influence the, this past summer, or did he actually get um, no, charged it, this past summer? I believe it was, um, if I remember correctly, it, it happened prior to last season. But they, right. due to the COVID year, they weren't issuing suspensions for like these type of infractions, so it got applied to the 2021 season instead. So the Packers knew about this for a while, and so did Jace for quite some time. It just only became when the public became aware of it. But yeah, Jace talked about that. So it's unfortunate. High hopes for a third rounder. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just 
it goes back to the the best ability is availability having that issues with that third round man that cursed third round oh yeah andy herman had a tweet for like what the third round picks going back to like mm. 2011 Whoa. and it's just disgusting if you look at it just and how many have just they had any miss Good after miss rounders? after miss after miss after miss and it's just depressing and i just <laughs> Take take a peek at that one. It's it's awful. I mean, have they had a third rounder that that has hit? No, in the last decade. Like Oren Burks is still here. Like that's something. And you know, we got a Murray Rogers. So yeah, you can't really judge him it. yet. And uh, yeah, I mean, history is not good. High hopes for Jace. Um, and right. so, uh, wish him the best. Uh, and um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I st- you got the Sycamore. That touchdown, that beautiful uh, thrown catch, um, I think he's just starting to get warmed up. Uh, I do like Dominique Daphne as well, and uh, just started falling down that pecking order, I guess. Yeah, I was I was thinking the only way, the only possibility that he was going to stick around a little bit longer is if maybe Deguara still wasn't ready, you know, from with his mm-hmm. his concussion. Mm-hmm. If for some reason it was it was worse than it was, they would possibly IR him. For a couple of weeks, and then bring Stern back to to fill the void, you know, from for that for a bit. But obviously, that didn't happen. And from what I'm seeing online here uh, on Twitter, they don't plan on bringing him back to the practice squad either. I think it's one of those things where a, a fresh start with a new team is going to be his best bet, and that's that's the route that looks like it's going to go right now. Two draft picks for Gutekunst. You have Josh Jackson that was gone, second rounder, and then also now um, Jay Sternberger, a third rounder. He's done a great job of assembling this squad, but can't can't hit them all. And the real big thing that I'm going to be watching is does Gary Gary and Savage, but Gary particularly, does he make that? Does he make that jump? Because I think it, it it boosts an already great draft class by Gutekunz. But if he can make that jump, I'll feel a little bit better. I'd really hate for that 12 pick to be a swing and a miss, and maybe I'm reading into it, but I want him to be the man. So I'm I'm really hoping and rooting for Gary to have a big breakout game against the Niners. I think he's close. I hope so. I mean, I think that sack definitely um, bodes well. Uh, you need him, um, especially with Zadarius Smith uh, going to be missing at least the next two weeks, and hopefully uh, we'll see what happens with him. But uh, any last words? Before we bid adieu until next week. Been fun as usual, fellas. Good victory uh, victory Tuesday. Hopefully you have a nice uh, victory Monday next week. Hell yeah. Well, there you have it. Go Pack Go. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, hope everyone has a beautiful and safe week. Be right back next week. I'm your co-host, Bryce Christensen. I'm Nebels. And I'm Ken Ingles. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound refined. Follow the unknown. Uh, it was interesting on the broadcast. They brought up that uh, Bojo, that last year he had the longest punt of the season and also the shortest punt of the season. He had a 12-yarder last year. Woof.